What follows is a teaser for season one of Reclaim Detroit, a Vampire the Masquerade audio drama from the mind of Ray Stacanus. Reclaim Detroit will debut in July 2022 wherever you get your podcasts. For more information, go to at Vampire Detroit on Twitter. And now... There's some weirdo Satanist out there or something that you might have heard of? I mean, there are, but this doesn't sound like one of them. This is Detroit, 1996. For a long time, the savage Sabbath vampires held claim to this area. That is, until four years ago when McMasters and his Camarilla group infiltrated the city and then kicked their asses out. I still can't believe your clan lets you call yourself Tory. There are no rules for us anymore. We are who we want to be. Right now, I want to be Tori. It's a little audacious, though, isn't it? Hey, audacious is my middle name. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is it? Why am I in the back alley of this gin joint? It turns out that the best way to gain knowledge is to invite the city to your secret club and film them the entire time that they're there. Who knew? <laughs> I work for you Camarilla folks, too. But you also work for them. It's an underground gothic club for kindred. The lady would prefer tiki torches and Christmas lights? Some loudmouth drunks thought it would be fun to break in my domain and cause trouble tonight. They were wrong. Delvin Cox Experience, the podcast, which each week I'm on a one-man mission to unite our culture through diversity. I'm your host, Delvin Cox, and with me on the podcast is a special guest, comic book creator. Let him know who you are, brother. Uh, my name's Ben Bender, and I'm the creator of Bjorn, the Littlest Viking Saga. That's a heck of a name, Ben. Ben Bender. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> There's a... Yeah. Anyway. Oh, we, 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 no, no, you know, I already said it now, so we, we, okay. you got to tell the story. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's not, it's not a huge story, unfortunately. That's why. But, uh, you know, Ben Bender, like as a kid, was brutal, right? And so, you know, as a horrible, 
horrible name to be slapped with as a young person uh, oh. when kids are picking on you about anything, right? My, my last and, name is uh, Cox. <laughs> I, yeah, but see, that hits later. That hits a little later, you know. That's like that was the uh, you you probably missed out on the young torture oh, and oh, then no, right in the a, adolescent torture. Oh no. <laughs> Not at all. They know what a they know what a cock was. And yeah. it just cocks, cock. Yeah, they they were they were they were vicious. <laughs> to say the least. That's awesome. So and then in like and like in my twenties and whenever I was younger, uh younger adult and I was setting up you know, I was calling and handling business on my own, whether it was setting up a, a bill in my name or that kind of stuff. And I got asked consistently, Well, is that your real name? Like I was trying to do, you know, like this was my moniker, right? And, uh, it's a, it, you know, it really is. And, uh, as, as a creative, like I started, I started Bjorn just a few years ago. And so I've kind of been, it's very new for me. Right. But over the last few years, it's like, I've really stepped into kind of owning that role. And, uh, it was funny how some of the pros that I met, they remembered me because of my name. Right. And like really good name. It's fantastic. <laughs> it sounds like a creator name, like Ben Bender. Then the first thing I think of when I hear Bender is Futurama. Like, oh, yeah, that's a great right. name. It's a great yeah. name. And I still wonder how many people, when they see it, like if I go do shows or if they see the book or something, do they think, you know, like, oh, that's his pen name. Right. But no, that's me. It's a good name. All right. As always, we'd like to start the podcast off with the five for five. Five questions, five asked to get the ball rolling. Ben, are you ready? I'm ready. Question number one. Give me your top five favorite Norse characters. Oh man. Uh, well, I'm still learning a lot of that. Like that's a that's a big thing that I kind of stepped into as I was writing the saga. But um, so part of it's now skewed because of how I've written them into my own story. So I will oh, say Nari fine. and Narfi. I will say Nari and Narfi. Okay. Um, Odin, Thor, Freya. There you go. There's five. They're okay. kind of big in my story, so they're the ones I've dealt with the most. Okay, I like that. I like that. All right. Question number two. Okay. GI Joe or Transformers? Transformers. I like you already. Yeah. <laughs> now that's I haven't kept up with anything new going on. That's just a, that's a that's a young Ben judgment call right there. So I like it. And both were I was into both. Yeah, both are great. I've got to like yeah, I've got to pick one. Transformers all the way. I like it. Question number three, Ben. Okay. What is the dumbest thing you think you've ever done as a kid? Oh, uh, oh man, that's a list. That's uh, <laughs> don't we all have? Um, I will just say that as a young person, I was very immersed in skate culture. And because of that kind of went a bad route and I have been arrested as a young person. So I would just say that. Yeah. I'm I'm very grateful. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even, we weren't really following anybody then. I remember um, like it's so long ago. I remember there were a couple of brothers, uh, and then, uh, what was it Christian Asoya? Tony Hawk, of course, was there, but like, you know, we just skated. Kind of did your own thing. I like it. Yeah, like yeah. It. Yeah. That young life, man. It was, it was a ton of fun, but. 
Yeah, and thank goodness that it was the young one. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. I haven't talked about that in a long time. But All right, cool. Question number four. Okay. Give me your favorite things to do to relax. Oh man. Um, while well, I've taught kung fu and tai chi for going on thirty years, like twenty six years now, so I'm a tai chi and meditation guy through and through. You taught it. Yeah, I still I teach. That is pretty cool. Yeah, man. It's uh yeah. Yeah, I grew up doing martial arts when I was a kid. Found my teacher twenty six years ago and been with him ever since. So if I get John Claude Van Damme in your face, you can kick John Claude Van Damme's ass. What's the chance? If you could get John Claude Van Damme in my face, then I don't know. I can't <laughs> I can't get him in my face. So. <laughs> right, I don't know. I'd be impressed if John Claude Van Damme showed up in my house and be like, "Oh my god!" Apparently, he's not a very tall man. <laughs> no, he's a little, but that don't, dude. No, that don't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> that uh, that matters if the other person is like, if you have significant like skill being equal, then you fall back on physical characteristics, right? Yes. So, skill can be a an equalizer from physical characteristics like if someone were really big and really strong a smaller person who was more skilled could absolutely beat them but if you're really big and strong and fast and skilled and this person is smaller than you and weaker than you you're you know they're just they're gonna win yeah that was the always the argument i used well lately i the argument i hear about bruce lee because everybody Mm -hmm. says bruce lee was small and things like oh my god it's bruce Mm -hmm. lee Come on. <laughs> he was, I mean, that's a, you would have to be an exceptional fighter to match that skill level, right? Yeah. Or, or have extreme, well, you know, have very overbearing physical characteristics that could counter his skills. Like, but that's, that's the case with anyone incredibly skilled, right? He just was kind of a freakishly skilled person, you know? Yes. All right. Question number five. Zombie apocalypse is happening Walking Dead style. Mm-hmm. You only can take five things to go out in the world to survive. Oh, Anything you want, what are the five things you're taking? See, this is this is kind of a trick here because, it, like, from just where from where I am right now, because depending on where I was, I would pick different things. Okay. I'll just like if I were out at my brother's place, who's already out in the woods, I wouldn't bother taking a car. Right. Okay. But from here, I might want to take a car. So, man, I don't know. So let's let's put it this way then. Okay. The game, because I'm I'm assuming you're in the city, right? Yes. Yeah. The game plan for you and your I don't know if you got a family or not. You and yours, yes. the people you care about, you got to mm-hmm. get from the city to your brother's house where it won't be as yeah. many zombies. So, what are you taking to get there? Man, I mean, and you I gotta say take this, food. The, the car counts. I'll, the car doesn't count. So, because you're automatically, okay. I'm assuming All you're right. already going to get a car or a vehicle or something. Okay. Yeah, we might. That's the thing. That all depends. That's situational, man. Like, what? what's the road like? What's, the, you know, all that stuff. Anyway, okay. I mean, it's a basics thing. You know, you'd need, you'd need boots and you need okay. your good clothes. So, if you got to count each of those, you're just kind of screwed. But, say, okay. a good I'll, outfit. I'll and count boots. the boots and the clothes as one item. Okay. Okay. Then, you know, you got to have, you got to have a a short distance melee. You got to have your knife. I prefer something, you know, a little bit medium range. And then uh, if you've got a gun, got to have a gun. So you got to weapon up, man. And then water and whatever you can have for food. Okay. 
That's a solid list. The basics. I mean, basics. That's a solid list. Yeah. Did you just go to your brother? What is Kevin? Well, kind of. My brothers are all. We were country, and so they still kind of. One of my brothers lives more out in the country still than the rest of us, and that's kind of. This is our. This is our talked about game plan. Is like we got to get out. We got to get out there. <laughs> that makes <laughs> sense. Out there. The country is a interesting place, man. Well, and that's the you know city. The city and the sticks are both going to have their. Uh, both going to have their traps, man. Oh my god. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't. I don't think I can do the country. I don't think I can. I, I did it. I remember being younger and going to the country and staying there for like extended periods of time. And yeah. it's just so weird where you're in a place where you don't have any neighbors for like yeah. three or four miles. Like, yeah. Uh, but see, that's the strength in the zombie apocalypse, man. Yes. That's the <laughs> that, that works in that time. So tell me a little bit about yourself for those who don't know you. Come book creator, you just kind of yeah. started into it. Mm-hmm. Let everybody know a little um, bit about you. Yeah. So I, uh, so I drew as I was a kid. I always hate miss uh, misspeaking and saying that I started drawing as an adult. But I did not draw for a long chunk of my life. So I really started drawing in earnest uh, when I was about 30. So some friends and I, we went to a Comic-Con here in Austin. And, uh, you know, it was neat because... I hadn't collected comics in so long and seeing the comics was cool. Just in that, I was like, man, I, you know, I really miss comics. But then whenever I hit artist alley, it was that feeling of like, man, I've really missed drawing. And then, uh, I promptly started drawing in like a year from then. <laughs> it didn't really light a fire. You know, I was, I was entrenched in my own life. And so, and then like another year from there, Comic-Con rolls around again and we went again. And, um, I think we went to another one that summer. That's, that's what happened. We went to another one that summer, either in Dallas or in Houston or something like that. And then from there I did, I was, I, I said, I'm going to start drawing again. And, uh, my, my teacher, I always told this story. It's kind of a famous story. You ever heard about, you know, the expression, throw your hat over the wall. Yes. How, uh, I think it was JFK's dad. Maybe there was some wall and, all the kids were trying to jump over the wall, get over the wall, and nobody could do it. And they all they wore school uniforms, so he took his hat off and threw it over the wall because he knew if he lost a piece of his school uniform, he was going to get in big trouble. So now he had to get over the wall, right? So I always use that expression. I threw my hat over the wall. I think I had like two months, and I said, uh, you know, I think I'm going to go do that Comic-Con in Austin. Well, in the moment you say it, you kind of have to do it, right? Oh, so I paid for said, a table. Oh, to, to, you you said you're gonna haven't drawn in a while. Yeah. And you're like, your whole thing was, I'm gonna do a Comic Con. So, uh, well, because it was more, it was like research, right? Like, I, I, I didn't have a, there wasn't like a vested interest in it succeeding. It was just me thinking, well, that's something I could do. I see these people doing these shows. Like, I wanna figure it out. I know this one only rolls through town once a year, so I'm gonna try it. Um, so I drew a bunch of stuff across like two months and I got a table and built this horribly convoluted and heavy PVC backing to hang all my stuff on and went and, uh, and the show paid for it, paid for itself. So then I said, well, let me see where the next one is. And the next one was in New Orleans, which is relatively close. So I said, well, let's do that one. And so we drove to that one and that one paid for itself. So that just kind of kept happening. And then I started making money at it. 
Um, so I kind of hit the con circuit for three or four years out of that. And, uh, and that's how I was making money. I still had my job at the Kung Fu school, but I was making money from these shows. Well, let me but ask this. Whole, what yeah. were you, cause this is, this is, I'm assuming this is before you came up with the Lewis Viking. Um, it was around that time. Cause when I started drawing again, when I, when I would come home and it, cause at these shows I was doing fan art. If that, if okay, that that's what I was trying to I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but what happened was, was while I was doing that, uh, I was, you know, I hadn't been immersed in the culture in forever. You know, I hadn't been reading comics. I wasn't looking at any of this stuff. And uh, so when I would come home and I would think about what I wanted to draw for fan art, it was often, you know, the nostalgia movies that I was still watching. It was, you know, Goonies and Dark Crystal and old cartoons. Cause I've always, I've always, kept into the Muppets and you know I'm a big kid and uh so whenever I started thinking well okay I'm going to these comic cons I should start doing comic stuff I realized I'm kind of a horrible comic fan <laughs> none of my big influences none of the things that made me go oh I should draw that um were really comics like there was some but for the most part it was all like newspaper strips like Calvin and Hobbes is a huge I mean Calvin and Hobbes is arguably not even arguably it's my biggest influence right yeah, and um, it's very noticeable. I like that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and that took a while too to just wear that on my sleeve. But um, so all those old newspaper comic strips were really kind of my big influence. So whenever I started drawing, I've always kind of told stories. Like I, I ran our kids program at the school, and so I was always telling stories to the kids from our kind of history and whatnot. And um, and so I that's anyway so from the comics doing the fan art i wanted to do my own tell my own story so while i was working on the fan art pieces i was writing things and i was trying to figure out well i want to do a comic strip and so one of the first things that i did was called uh, meet the normalsons where it was like this little alien family here on earth um but then i feel like it was soon after that that i started writing bjorn as a as a comic strip so i i was working on it then but i wasn't doing anything with it at shows okay so what what inspired? Because you mentioned Calvin and Hobbes, which a lot of people yeah. love comic strips. Yeah. Because the, the comic reminds me a lot of those old comic strips I used to read as a kid, like Snoopy, mm-hmm. Calvin and yeah, Hobbes, like the Sunday paper. That when the Sunday paper was a mm-hmm. big deal, I don't oh, think yeah. it, I don't think it really is nowadays. But it doesn't seem like it. I mean, I don't even get a paper anymore, so I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was a big and there's deal. There's still some good comic strips. Oh yeah, definitely. I don't know if they're in the paper. That's how I found out about the Boondocks and stuff like that. The Boondocks oh, comic yeah, strips, uh, Snoopy, like the Peanuts. It was it's a lot of stuff in mm-hmm. there. So mm-hmm. I think it's really cool that you your comic touches back to that age of comic stuff. You know, it's funny. Um, yeah, thank you. I uh, and it's always funny to me when it's felt. You know that even though I'm telling a more long form comic, it's cool when people are like, "Man, I felt like I was reading a Sunday comic strip." Like every, I've had people, you know, who are like, "Man, I almost felt like every page could have been like just the page, and then you would have gotten the next one later." And uh, I think that came from working with strips first and spending so much time reading comic strips. Because even when I wasn't reading comics, I would still read Calvin and Hobbes. You know, I still had Calvin and Hobbes books around. Um, and then Jeff Smith from Bone, that's that's my other that's my other big and that's like my biggest comic book influence. But then and I'm you know, until I kind of studied about it, realizing like, oh, he was a comic strip guy too. Like Bone was going to be a comic strip. And those early the early issues especially, like 
you left every page feeling like you got kind of a an ending, you know, not an ending to a story, but each page completed a thought. You either got a gag, you got some reveal, you got you got something. So it was it was like reading a comic strip or or a web comic even, right? Where you have to give them something on every page, and uh, and I think that's just kind of carried with me. So it's it's tough because whenever I'm writing, I, I uh, some sometimes I'm trying to consciously do that, but you know, you're trying to just make sure the story flows well. It it seems like it's a dying art almost, and I, and I, what I mean by it is because when you like I said we talk about the newspapers and things like that, but then when you go to comic book stores, you mostly mm-hmm. now because of the resurgence of comic books because you know the MCU and on a lesser level the DC stuff, mm-hmm. most of the comics you see in comic book stores are like the Spider Mans, the Captain Americas. You don't yeah. really see even the even with the indie comics. They don't really touch on the lighter side of things. Yeah, um, man, that's 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 big though. Because I'll tell you, <laughs> uh, it's there, and this is one of the big places where um, looking at kind of research. Whenever I was getting ready to do a um, an all ages book or getting ready to do a comic and figuring out, you know, well, if you want to do it as a living, like you got to know there's a living to be made at it, right? And so looking at the discourse on the state of comics, um, my one big thing that I think is really interesting is that when you look at sales, when you exclude certain genres or titles, sales look like they're low, right? But now when we include all the like young adult graphic novels, all the, you know, you include Raina Telgemeier and Dave Pilkey and all this kind of uh, Kazukawishi with amulet it's like all of a sudden comic sales and manga especially if you include manga but that's a huge very you know that's not even a genre that's but when you include those other like more lighthearted and especially things that were made for graphic novels all of a sudden comic sales shoot through the roof right um and there are a lot of shops i feel that and i don't know why and you know it depends it's all dependent on the particular shop right that it's this, um, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know if it's stubbornness or what, but it's like, well, no, we do comics and those aren't comics. And so they'll sell graphic novels or trades of things that were collected comic books, um, but they miss out on this whole market, man, especially of young people. And then I go to other shops um, and it's almost like the shop feels different usually too, where they have like a huge kid's section right yeah but it's an all ages section and so that's where you'll find all of these graphic novels that have been made specifically for the book market um which is part of why i went with uh red five for publishing the the serialized books for bjorn and the trades because they are distributed into the book market and that was something that was really important to me so so yeah the the lighthearted comics it's it's an interesting thing uh, i know they're there you know like scoot is doing a lot of cool stuff from scout they've got an all ages kind of line um heck man dc still is rocking looney tunes you know yeah. so there's they're out there they're out there just gotta find a couple bookshop that has them yeah 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 well and i tell you always hunting i have a gaggle of nieces and nephews and always hunting for like old used comics that i know they can just beat up um so hard to find like old cheap used kids comics so i'm like what happened to all the kids comics and i wonder do they just not print a bunch of them because you know 
uh, people they don't sell a lot. So I don't know. Last year I had a, a big problem with that because my daughter, she's gotten into um, the My Little Pony comics, like the the oh, Friendship is Magic ones. Okay. So apparently. They're like hard to find unless you go to an actual yeah. bookstore to yeah. get like the graphic novel of it or like the um, I forget what you forget what you call them like a trade the yeah the trade the trade, the trade yeah 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 but if you go to like a regular comic book shop they a lot of them don't have them yeah they may have like one issue if that I'm like why is this a thing why is this so it difficult to get blew these up man it yeah. blew up and some of the artists um on there I I don't want to say people's names just because I'll misspeak of who did what but like. Man, some of them are fantastic. Like, and they and they go on to do other things, or they continue to do it. And uh, so, yeah, My Little Pony, man, sucker yeah. blew blew up from what I remember. And that's why I was doing shows too. It kind of like came back out, and I was like, oh yeah, because uh, you know, at shows there's a lot of nostalgia, and so you're thinking like, oh, that's cool. People are into My Little Pony because of the old show, and it's like, oh no, it Nothing it blew back up. It's yeah. its own thing now. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. The, the kids who like are into it now probably don't even realize oh, there was an old show to to get right. into it. Yeah, that's true. So, that's so true. let me ask you this: Yeah, how did you come up with the concept of joining the Vikings? Yeah, so tell me the whole um, the whole process of what happened. Well, it's funny. I wish I would have remembered. I wish I would have been paying attention while I was doing it because it was, uh, you know, like I said, it was going to be a strip, and the way I can remember it. And I have a very poor memory, but the way I can remember it is a very visual thing. I feel like I was drawing and I drew him and and then I drew the helmet on him. And when I drew the helmet, it was one of those funny things that I, it, you know, he was just, it was just like a barbarian kind of thing. And I thought, oh, well, I should make him a Viking, even though Vikings didn't really wear those helmets. And I was like, maybe he got his helmet out of a comic book. And like kind of with that, like, train of thought all of a sudden this kid had a, i was like what a viking reading comic book and so it was like the world started kind of coming together where it was old but it was new all these little, like little new things were thrown in there just to mess with people right and uh and then at one point i i drew his little troll buddy and so it like it hit everything about what i loved from calvin and Hobbes. whereas instead of his friend being uh, imaginary it's like he had to keep him a secret because you know little viking and a troll they can't be best friends and so he had this secret friendship with this troll and that was and honestly i feel like it was when i found his troll friend's name was goob and i found some really long convoluted name of some troll and it was you know blah 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 yada yada goob blah 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 blah, blah. and i saw goob in there and i was like oh goob so anyway so he is named after a troll um, that is cool. So it just kind of all came together like that, and um, yeah, and so it started from something kind of small, where it really was just about the friendships, you know. And then, it, and then as other characters had to come into it, where you're like, well, who does this little kid live with? That kind of stuff. Um, th- it filled out a cast, but then as things would happen with him you know, maybe he was upset about something and I would have to, I'd have to ask myself like, well, what was he upset about? Like what happened? Right. And more and more, the things that were happening to this kid or around this kid were becoming big and epic. And like, so the story just kind of grew and grew and grew and it kind of couldn't, I couldn't see it as a comic strip anymore. 
And so I tried other formats where I would do like the big, like the old crazy cat and little Nemo, how they had like a full back page on the Sunday paper. I tried doing just these single huge page, one page comics, right? Because I thought, well, maybe if I'm not bound to just like three or four panels, maybe if I can use a bunch of panels, it would do it. But it was uh, kind of what we were talking about before with the pacing of page to page and making sure there was something on each page. Um, it, yeah. So eventually it just needed, you know, a serialized or a sequential graphic story, um, or a medium to tell the story. So, and you do this all yourself. Yeah. Like uh, I have someone that, uh, does color flatting for me. That's my big help. That's impressive that you create the character write the story now, I don't know if people understand the full grasp of this like you know some people when they make comics they just either do the writing part of it or they do the drawing part of it right. you're doing both and you're kind of doing the marketing part of it as well yeah, yeah. well there's no kind of I'm doing that I saw a great picture where it's one of the like from the Lion King one of the crazy hyenas you know the yes. picture and I said like me trying to be an artist but also trying to you know, market in public, you know, all the, all the other things run my shop, do that. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm in the thick of it right now. <laughs> I'm trying to finish this last chapter for my Kickstarter. And that's the fourth issue that comes out from red five. Um, it's just eh, all kinds of stuff. So, 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 I've so, taken so, like a, I'm glad I saw, I, I got on Twitter specifically to look for your message today because I'm taking a, a sabbatical this week as I'm finishing commissions and stuff like that and trying to get a bunch of stuff off my plate. <laughs> good, good, good. So since, since you mentioned it, tell us a little bit about your Kickstarter because I want people to check that out and if they can oh, donate and yeah. stuff. Oh, well, the, so there's not a current one right now. So there's not a current one. So um, the Kickstarter has been fantastic to me. Um, the the community that's kind of come up around Gorn is it's, it's really wild, man why i lament and struggle with being late everybody's been fantastic of course i have a toddler we had a toddler right whenever i did the first book we had a toddler or we had our baby and so i've been now i'm stay-at-home dad so i'm trying to like work while i'm taking care of the kid all day and uh, everybody's like oh yeah man take your time just let us know what's going on (laughs) and it's but it's my own thing right i'm like man i said this was going to be out a while ago anyway so kickstarter has been fantastic i launched it the first one two years ago um, on my birthday. So on my 40th birthday. And again, it was kind of like what I was saying with the Comic-Con thing where it was me doing research. So I'd done a bunch of reading. I watched videos on what to expect from running a Kickstarter, all that. And, um, but I needed to try to do it. So I finished up enough to do the first chapter and it was going to just be a comic book. And my plan was before I tried to pitch it to anybody, before I tried to do anything with it, I was just going to self-publish. I've always wanted to self-publish. I just want to see how it was going to go. And so I was going to do Kickstarter to try out Kickstarter. And then my plan was to take, um, (laughs) to take those comics and I was going to use them on my Patreon and my Patreon was going to be kind of a subscription service, right? So anybody who didn't back the Kickstarter, uh, they, if they were on my Patreon, like every quarter, I was going to send out a new chapter. That was the plan. So I launched it on my birthday and I mean, I'm just like knots in my gut and butterflies and I'm so nervous. I'm so scared. Right. 
And uh, a buddy of mine texted me kind of late that morning, early afternoon, and was like, hey, man, happy birthday. Uh, have you checked out your Kickstarter? And I was like, dude, no, I'm going to look tomorrow. Like, I don't think I can look. And he said, you you need to go look. And we had, like, blown through our funding goal, right? Wow. So now, now I say that, but it was like 750 bucks. I'm not trying to knock that. That was amazing. It was awesome. But it wasn't like a huge, you know, it wasn't like we made thousands of dollars. Still a lot. That's still still really cool. And it funded. Like it was more than I thought. I honestly did not think it would fund. I really went into it thinking, I'm just going to see what happens. Right. So I'm out for a walk with my wife and kind of in shock. And I'm like, man, I don't know what to do. I really didn't. I didn't. I didn't budget it to like do stretch goals or anything. I can't add things to this. And uh, she goes, we'll make it a hardcover. Right. And I was like, I can't make it hardcover. The price point is wrong. I would have to do this. I'd have to change that. I'd have to close those tiers and I'd have to, and I rattle off what I would have to do and why it was impossible. And of course my wife, I love her so much. She is my rock. She goes, well, it sounds to me like, you know, everything you need to do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so I rebuilt my Kickstarter campaign overnight. And then within the next few days, I was, I changed things. I got in touch with a printer. I tried to figure out like, Hey, how, how much would I need to charge to do a hardcover? What would I need to hit for the stretch goals, all that. And so I rebuilt the campaign. I got in touch with pros about doing pinups, all that kind of stuff. And no one knows her. No one knew who I was. I mean, I, I legitimately had a handful of people from that one. And then from the next one who their words were, who are you? Because they would go to my social media and I don't have big social media. Everything about all the research that I did on Kickstarter told me my book should not have funded, right? Because it says, you know, well, you got to have this big social media and you can expect this small percentage to back it. And this smaller percentage will be super backers. And if you can hit that, you'll nothing, right? So I was the exact opposite where Kickstarter and then just sort of this buzz happened. And by the end, we hit like $20,000. Wow. So, Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the next one, I just decided, well, I'm going, that's standard. Like that's the book I want to make. I want to make it hardcover. It has, you know, it's beautiful. It's gold foil. It has embossing, debossing, all this, you know, it's, it's an, it's the book I would want. Right. And, uh, but it was bigger. It was going to have three chapters in it. I have since I'm, I'm throwing in the money to give it, it's going to have all four chapters in it. So this book is like 176 pages. It's a big, anyway. Um, but cool. to make that, it was like $24,000. And so I'm going back into the same thing where I was like, well, let's just throw it out there and see what happens. And if it doesn't fund, we'll back off again and we'll try to do like a trade paperback. We'll try to, you know, do we just need to do single issues from this point on? We'll see what happens. I launched it on my birthday again. This was, uh, at the kind of in the height of the pandemic and we were teaching online i was teaching tai chi on zoom and i was teaching a noon class and uh someone goes hey happy birthday master ben uh and congratulations and i was like what your kickstarter funded and i I, so within hours right like four hours i was like hang on a sec guys and i'm like checking this while i'm supposed to be teaching you know (laughs) and went in and funded is the most bizarre i mean i just can't anyway that is amazing. So, uh, yeah, and then so by the end we hit almost almost sixty thousand dollars. Sixty thousand uh, dollars. Yeah, that is impressive. So, that is really impressive, yeah. considering that you're just a guy who had a dream. Like you, you stop drawing. <laughs> you stop <laughs> stop drawing 
went to a convention, like, oh, maybe I should do that. Didn't do it. <laughs> went back the next year, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a booth from a guy who get, rents a booth out with no clue how to do everything, just looked everything up. Starts a Kickstarter, makes it super successful. That's incredible. That's an amazing story. It it is. It really, you know, and it's and I in no way mean to downplay what I did with it, but it really is. It's one of those things that you feel like is totally outside of yourself, right? That it's all I could do is draw the book and present it. That's it. And so that's why I, you know, when people ask me about Kickstarter. I always try to say, because I, I mean, I haven't really made money off of it. That's, you know, if you know anything about Kickstarters, for the most part, people just don't, you don't make a lot of money on it, right? Unless you, unless you're a huge name, because it all goes into making the thing. Making the, the product um, itself. Right, 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 right. So I have had incredibly successful Kickstarters um, that, I mean, has, they have paid me dividends in inspiration, you know, motivation, I guess, just the belief, right? And not just kind of in yourself, but in like, wow, I knew, I don't know how else to put this. I have always known when I decided I was going to do Bjorn, I always knew that someday it would be a big deal. Someday, a lot of people were going to be into it. Whether it was going to be something that, you know, revolutionized comics or anything like that, that's not, you know, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying people were going to be into it. People were going to dig it. Um, I just didn't think it was going to be like right away. The universe, you know, you think you're going to take like a step. You go, all right, man, I'm going to take this first step. And someone like kicks you in the back. And after that, you're falling off a cliff going, well, that's a hell of a first step. <laughs> so, so let me ask this since you brought it up. Okay. Has there been conversations with people looking at this saying, hmm, maybe this could be a cartoon show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, even from the first campaign. Um, so, and red five. So the comic company that is serializing the chapters, I had met, I'd met one of the owners, um, the publishers, I'd met him at shows and he had told me back then, you know, like, Hey, well, if you ever do a booklet, let me know, you know? And, uh, you know, you always kind of feel like, Oh, this is someone being nice. Right. Like, well, that'll be cool. So when I did the first campaign, I wrote him more as just like, again, I have no social media presence. Right. So, yeah maybe a few hundred. And so it was me saying like, Hey, you know, I put this Kickstarter together. Could you, could you plug it for me? Right. And he wrote back and instead was like, well, we want to publish it. <laughs> so, and then, you know, so I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. Uh, well, but let me think about how, let me, let me, you know, I got to wait till the end of the campaign. I'm super stressed. Let me see what's going on. Well, then across that campaign, I had, I had a number of people hitting me up from different places. I pitched it to a few places um, and I had people say that they were into it and some of course didn't, you know, it's not like everybody wanted to publish Bjorn, but, um, I, in that alone was, I was very happy. It's like, there were plenty of rejections and there were plenty of like, dude, I think you've really got something, you know, we'd like to talk to you. Um, but it's so new and it's. It's, I don't know if it's a I mean, it's a healthy fear, right? That I was very nervous about giving my baby away. Yeah, and so I did sense. lots of reading, lots of trying to figure out, okay, well, what are you, you know, what do you, and I've been lucky enough to, I know a few people in the comics 
um, kind of indie scene that I could talk to them and pick their brain and whatnot. And, um, and with Red 5, it was really one of those things that they were the people that everything I took to them that I said, hey, you know, some of these first issues are kind of oversized. What do you think? You know, hey, I still want to do my Kickstarters. Everything that I took to them and said, you know, I want to do this thinking, well, that's going to be the thing that are like, look, bro, you know, no way. Uh, everything they've been great with. So um, they were kind of who I landed on. The cartoon one is kind of an interesting thing for me because so little of it is out. Um, you know, it's, it's a big story. Like this, this is going to be the next 10 years of my creative life. And I've got people saying they want to make a cartoon out of it based off of a handful of images, basically. And, uh, you know, while I'm, while I'm happy with where my art is getting, um, more than that, I, I love the story that I'm trying to tell. And so it's tough to like have someone go, we want to make this and me sitting back going, you don't even know what this is. Like, you don't know what it is. How can you tell me you want to make it? Um, so I don't know. Maybe it's that thing where I'm afraid to be a part of any club who would want me as a member. You know, they're, they're coming to get me. And I'm like, no, no, no. You don't know what you're talking about. I um, think so I don't know. The magic in it is not only the story, because I think the story is one part of it, but the look of the character. Because, you know, sometimes you have those characters that you look at and like, okay. I know this is going to be special. Mm. Like Bart Simpson, for example. Right. Even even when you like saw the Simpsons, like when the Simpsons first came out, the, the crude way it looked, mm-hmm. you were like, you, you saw something there. Right. I feel like this might have that same kind of a bill with it. Like, there's something there. There's something about this character that looks memorable. Something and about I this character that's... that's special. And I think people are trying yeah. to catch it before they can't if you get what i'm saying i am and i so you know fomo f you know fear of missing out right i had uh i did a sketchbook recently it was one of the, i've been doing remarks and sketchbooks all this week but um i uh i posted that i was doing this like really limited run there was only a hundred of them and uh, someone was like man ben bender fomo is the best fomo you know <laughs> <laughs> and uh I, th- I think that's part of it. I think, and I think that's a big part of where the success for the Kickstarters came from that like, um, whereas with any artist, I have so many things that I feel like I fall short on and I want to get better at. I do feel like I've gotten very good. I've gotten good enough, I will say. Um, but I think that I'm, I capture fun pretty well. You know, someone said that, Oh, actually it was on my, um, well, anyway, someone gave me a good quote talking about how how fun my pictures can be, and so it was very it meant a lot. And I think that's really good yeah. that you're doing that. I think because you're going the route you're going, it's possible it can lead to more success because you're going a route where somebody can pick up a Bender book, and it can be for everybody in the house. That's what I'm trying. Like, I really, I legitimately. You know, people say things are all ages. Like, I really want Bjorn to be an all ages book. So much so that, um, and and this was what was nice. One of the things that was nice about that for me, because I've always worked with kids. Like, my degree was in human development. I've I've always worked with kids. And so, um, but I have a, a, a very personally skewed idea of what maybe all ages looks like right think about the things that my mom let me watch when i was probably way too young all the dark hints you know dark crystal 
you know, things where Jim Henson, he has vocal, you know, he vocalized how like he thought kids should be scared so they can learn. It's okay to be scared. Right. Like they'll be all right. Um, and so for me, I was always, okay, some things should be kind of scary. Um, and then when I put out the first Bjorn book, I had people telling me like, oh man, my four-year-old loves it. I read it to my four-year-old. I read it to my six-year-old and I'm thinking, wow, am I writing this for your four-year-old though? Right. So I will never, you know, you can't, you can't please everybody. And I'm not trying to dumb it down, but like in the second chapter, there's a scene where Odin is like cutting out his eye. Right. And I'm not showing him cutting out his eye, but I show a knife to his eye and I throw him, I show an eyeball flying across the screen. Right. I took that out. <laughs> I didn't need to show that to get across what he did and showing it that way. So I've gotten more aware, I guess, of, you know, my audience and like, well, you're anyway, it would be very easy for me with some of the things that happens with Bjorn to like draw it in a more to draw it more adult, even though it's cartooned and to go, yeah, but it's an all ages book. It's like, well, but was that moment all ages? And that's the difference, I think. Yeah. Um, so I've had to be careful about that. Sorry, I don't remember what you said to make. No, no, I think I think you answered it perfectly. <laughs> I, I like that you are aware of your audience and you yeah. adjusted it. And, and instead of letting people censor you, which I'm never a right. fan of, you kind of, no, no, not at all. You kind of like, you know what? Maybe I can hold back a little bit, bit yeah. on this and still it's, accomplish the same thing and get my point across, but not in a gratuitous that, way. And that is exactly what it is. Uh, Cause I agree with you. I'm, I'm not a fan of, you know, uh, you know, not to get into it, but, I'm not a fan of censoring things that could have just been left alone. Right. Yeah. And so could it have just been left alone? Maybe, but that's up to the creator. And um, with no sort of backlash, nobody hit, nobody said, well, I had a library tell me I can't have my book in the library, but that's a whole other thing. You're never going to get around that. Right. And that's the thing is you're never going to please everybody. So with that kind of stuff, I'm going to go change it for them. I changed it for the people that I'd already met. You know, it's like that first book was a contract, right? And you said, this is what you're going to get. And there's a little bit of danger. There's some stuff going on. Now, I will say before the end of the whole thing, there's probably going to be some people upset at me because I'm going to just punch them right in the heart, man. <laughs> tear, the, tear the heart right out of their chest. They're going to hate it. Those are the best stories, though. Those are the best oh, stories. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, I think that there's a big difference between even even self-censorship and awareness. Right. Because yes. I don't feel like I'm censoring anything. The, the story I told in chapter two, where I very purposefully changed that as the example, I feel like it's just as strong. I feel like it's fine. You didn't have to. I didn't have to show that. I didn't have to make a point of going, well, I'm going to do it the way I wanted to. I didn't have to. It's not it's not important, right? The important thing is telling the story. So anyway. I like it. So what do people have to look forward to in the Bjorn, the Little Viking oh. Universe for those? Yeah, man. Um, so, you know, the, the first four chapters are finishing up. I'm getting them along to the printer here, hopefully by the end of this month, maybe into this next, into September. And so my hardcovers will be out. I'll continue to do the uh, self-publishing of the hardcovers. Although I think we might distribute them into the comic and the book market. That I think we're I think we're looking at doing that Red Five kind of. Okay. We were bringing that up as an option. Which again, see that's super awesome. Like to have your publisher 
because they don't do that. They don't do hardcover books. And the more people that buy the books, the more we get the name out there, the more it helps them sell the stuff that they are selling. Um, they will continue to serialize the chapters as single comic books and then as trade paperbacks. And the first trade should be out in October, but with all the you know printing and shipping delays and all that, maybe November. I'm get it'll be out before Christmas. Okay. Um, and so that'll be the rest of this year. And then next year, I'll kick off the next one, probably free comic book day again. We had a free comic book day short this last May. Um, so, yeah. I like it. Man, this has been a great conversation, man. Thank you for coming on. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, of course. Thank you for having me. I'm glad. I don't even remember who tagged us together on Twitter, but I was like, oh, yeah, sounds awesome. <laughs> and I yeah. always, I'm always reluctant, right? I'm not reluctant, but uh, careful. And so, like, whenever whenever I saw them tag you and whoever else they tag, I'm clicking and I'm looking to see, like, who are these people, you know? <laughs> and uh, when I saw your diversity in comics, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. You know, uh, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Let them, let them know where to find you at. Let them know where to find your stuff at, more importantly. And hopefully, people can get on their next kick, Kickstarter. I think it's dope. Yeah, that'll... So I'm hoping the next Kickstarter will be in the spring again. I'm hoping this year because of the production schedule, I didn't get to do it on my birthday again, but I'm hoping April 6th, but this, one of my biggest lessons was not having enough of it finished before launching the Kickstarter. I don't want to be in production time throughout. So my goal is to finish all of the drawing and the inking and I do the lettering, uh, and then maybe get some of the flatting and the coloring done for like the first chapter coming into it. And then uh, I'd like to factor into the Kickstarter paying the flatter. So I'm not paying them out of, I'm not paying them. It's been brutal. Um, and so that will hopefully be in April. That's my, that's my big goal. I'll have the next Kickstarter in April. So. All right. Let them know where they can find you at. Uh, yeah, man. Um, Twitter, I'm Ben A. Bender. Facebook, Ben Bender Comics. Uh, I think Instagram is just Bender Comics. And then uh, Patreon is Ben, yep, Bender Comics. And then, uh, no, it's Ben Bender, I think, whatever. You'll find me on there. I'm on Patreon. And then uh, if you just want to go to my website, it's thelittlestviking.com. There you go. Thank you guys for listening. As always, Delvin Cocktail Spirits, we are out. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Delvin Cox Experience. If you like more content, go on patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox Experience. There, there is more exclusive podcasts, including I'm the Podcaster, He's the DJ, that is the hip-hop podcast I do with Mr. Tim Hines, as well as the Boondocks, which is a Boondocks review show I do with my son, Delvin Jr. With that being said, I want to give a special shout-out to Patreon producers, Shirley Walker, Ghost Rider UK, and Mikey Famine. Thank you. God bless.